The game of basketball has taken us places we can never imagine. From winning four EuroLeague titles, playing six years in five countries, and making connections with people from all around the world. We have stories that can last a lifetime. All right, now it's time to tell yours. When I met Michael Jordan for the first time, and still to this day, if I see him, he's he's glowing. I, it just came down to, like I said, looking myself in the mirror, like, brother, you really do you want to play ball or not? I've never been in an environment like Euroleague, because you know, living over here in Europe, bro, how we kings over this time, bro. Denver Thuggets. <laughs> Appreciate y'all having us on here. This is Hoop Tales. Today on Hoop Tales Podcast, we have one of the most athletic wings in the game. A former NBA draft pick, a three-time Russian VTB champion, first-team All-Euroleague selection, and 2019 CBA champion. Representing West Memphis, Arkansas, Sonny Weems. What's good, bro? What's good? What's good? Where? What's up? Oh, so, so, so first, uh, you know, because you right in the middle of everything, we were this uh, right. pandemic kind of started. Um, kind of walk us through the timeline of you know the last what the last you know few months has kind of been from you from the moment they kind of like you know everything started from December to you know kind of right. up to now. Man, kind of started off. It was it was it was crazy because I mean we was getting ready to uh, have our last game before the Chinese New Year. We was playing um, this team that we played in the finals last year, and um, so we usually they leave a day before the game or whatever. And um, somehow we decided to leave what two or three days before. You know our coach is from there, so you know we got a chance to chill with his family a little bit. And at the time, you know. Um, um, our doctor was kind of coming around to everybody, you know, um, there was a cold kind of, a, you know, cold flu or whatever that was going around. And, um, you know, we really didn't think any, we really didn't think mm -hmm. anything of it. We thought it was just, you know, normal, you know, it was flu season. So, you know, so we, we pretty much, you know, thought it was just uh, going to be that. But um, as we get ready to play the game, you know, it was telling, uh, they started telling us, yeah, it'd be, uh, it would be a good idea if um, you guys would wear masks, you know, in and out the gyms and, you know, so I, I thought that was kind of strange, you know, because, yeah. man, we're not used to, you know, you see, if you come to China, everyone who knows, you know, you know, um, China, you know, they come over here and you see everybody with a mask on. So because of the pollution situation, but um, so like, like I said, a couple of days we get ready, you know, uh, get ready for the game. And, you know, it was a national broadcast in the country. I was saying everybody should wear a mask. Like I said, we wasn't paying attention to it, you know. Um, Chinese New Year comes and, you know, everyone get ready to go on a break. You know, one of the biggest migrations in the world. Um, so um, you can understand, you know, how the, you know, how everything kind of, you know, came about. And, you know, during, the, during that time, is I, I think it's a, maybe a billion people that's traveling, you know, within China um, during that time. And um, like I said, it's one of the biggest migrations. So, you know, I'm on my way, you know, to Indonesia. You know, everything was kind of getting started there. And, you know, you kept hearing this thing about, you know, the flu going around, please wear masks. So when I got to Indonesia, that's when it really exploded. Um, that's when they started locking down. That's when they started locking down everything. And, you know, everyone was calling me, you know, especially my team was trying to tell me, you know, the dates to come back and, you know, um, when I should come back. You know, but my agent at the time, you know, you know, my boy, you know, Dexter Lewis, yeah. he was that with me in Indonesia. And they was calling him, trying to tell us the date. And I'm, you know, I'm one of those guys who, you know, 
we've been playing abroad for, for years now, so we kind of keep up on, you know, that international news of what's going on around the world. And uh, so I kept telling them, I was like, man, I don't think, you know, you, we want to go back over there, especially at this yeah. moment right now. That's when they had first lockdown. One of the, you know, uh, Wuhan was one of the major cities that had first lockdown. And, you know, so we was kind of, I was like, man, this don't really happen. You know, especially, you know, in the 20th, 21st century that they locked right. down, you know, <laughs> a city of 10 million people. Like, that don't right. really happen. So we still, as days going by, days going by, like, it started getting worse and worse. And uh, I remember this day, it was like a Wednesday or something. I called my mom, and I was like, be careful, you know, because my mom, she works in the, you know, she works in the school system. She's, you know, she's, she's, on, the, she's on the teaching staff. So I was calling, I was like, man, be careful because, you know, this is not, you know, I know the flu season been going around in America and everybody's been getting sick, but this is, you know, really different. At the time, I didn't yeah. know it was going to get to this point. Yeah. And um, I was like, be careful, you know, everything's be careful. And she was like, yeah, everything should be fine or whatever. And I was telling her, if it gets to America, you know, it can be really deadly for us because, you know, um, the healthcare and, the, you know, the, the black community is not, you know, we don't really go to the doctor, you know, we yeah. don't really have the money to go to the doctor. You know, we have other things to worry about. So I was telling my mom, like, man, be careful because this thing can get really out of hand. And that's when everything kind of just, you know, exploded. Uh, long story short, I ended up staying an extra week and a half in Indonesia. And, you know, after that, I kind of flew home after that. But that's when everything, like, really got crazy, like, towards the Chinese New Year. And so we were trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, I flew home. And, and now we're here to this point right now. So When, when, they, when they told y'all I had to come back, um... Did you think like the season was gonna start or like what? Now what was kind of like your thought process? I did, you know, I, I, I did, you know, especially you know me coming back now. Uh, well, you know, I have to, I had to come here, you know, about a month ago. I came back um, because they kept saying, you know, maybe the season will start April fifteenth. So, you know, me, you know, uh, me learning from you, being a professional, you know, I wanted to be a professional. You know, I wanted to, you know, come back on time and you know do the things right. Um, <laughs> Once I got back here, though, man, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, um, I kind, it kind of slipped my mind a little bit. I think, you know, Japan was kind of going crazy right now with the virus, and I actually flew in, man. I flew into Japan, and I had no idea I had to do a fourteen-day quarantine. So when I got, so when I got to Japan, right, well, I got to Japan, and I was in Tokyo. So we getting on the flight. I have videos of like nobody's in the airport, nobody's really flying at this point. So I'm like, man, like what's, you know, kind of spooked me a little bit. <laughs> so what really spooked me, what really spooked me the most though, when I got to, when I got to China and you know, the uh, the runway belts where they pull you up to the plane and letting all the passengers out. Yeah. So as they're pulling up to the plane, the lady having the controller, she has a full like biohazard suit on. <laughs> I'm like, like what's going on? And come to find out, man, I had we had two guys on the back of the plane. Keep in mind, it was only like nine of us on the plane, uh -huh. with, with you know, with the pilot, and you know, and like two of the guys in the back had got you know caught the virus, and you know nobody knew anything. Like Yo. the flight attendants, the, the pilot, and uh, nobody knew anything. So I'm on the plane. I had to stay on the plane like an hour and a half, two hours. And that was that, that really that really that's when it really hit me like this was this was real now because when I found out those two guys had um, you know I had to come on that to do check and everything they had the full bio suit so they was checking my temperature and everything yeah. so I was kind of, yeah that kind of shook me a little bit but yeah they had the that was you know I was it was kind of crazy they was making me come back but you know I was kind of I, mean, I was kind of on the fence you know do I should I come back or 
Yeah. Should I stay at home? You know, like we are we professional, so we had to do our job. Now, who's the other Americans that you're playing with currently? Did they did they come back as well? Right now, we got – well, we got Marshawn Brooks right now. He's at home, um, actually. You know, uh, of course, he's at home with his family, you know, making sure his family's safe. Okay. Um, so, those are pretty much – we have two other guys um, that are, you know, coaches, you know, uh, but they don't they don't, they don't play for – they're on the coaching staff, training, you know, strengthening, conditioning, you know, developing players. So, uh, right now, we have three more Americans, you know, other than myself that is on the team right now. Let's take it all the way back to the beginning, man. So you got to right. describe to the to the people that, that never been there, what is West Memphis, Arkansas like, bro? Like, describe it. Because, I mean, we had, we had all these we – we had plenty of conversations about West Memphis. So you got to got to take it back and describe people, you know, what, what life was like growing up in West Memphis. Man, life was pretty cool. I mean, you know, you have most of the inner city communities. I mean, you have, the, you know, the violence and all that, you know, but, you know, I, I stuck to mostly basketball. You know, I grew up in a town with, you know, more than 24,000 people, you know, where everyone pretty much knows, you know, everyone. Like, even some of the um, some of the guys that are, even some of the guys that are, you know, some of the friends that I had that I went to school with, you know, uh, they had kids now, you know, they're grown now, so we're in our 30s now, so I know their kids, you know, they, they come to my camps. You know, my basketball camps in the summertime. So it's like a close niche, yeah. you know, kind of a community a little bit. You know, like I said, no more than 20,000 people. Um, you know, we have uh, our first, you know, African-American um, black mayor, you know, uh, Mayor Marco McClendon, hey. actually. We're from the same, you know, we're from the same neighborhood, from the same, That's you know, big. hood and everything. So, you know, growing up in West Memphis, man, it was strictly, you know, sports town. Um, mm -hmm. Small town kids. Um, who never really been outside of anywhere, uh, especially West Memphis. You know, we had Memphis, Tennessee, which is about seven, eight miles from downtown, from uh, from West Memphis, Arkansas. So we kind of have that uh, that big city feel and kind of that, you know, that small town, countryside, you know, Arkansas um, um, bread. And, um, you know, like I said, man, we just grew up, you know, like I said, the violence was, you know, was always there. Um, you know, luckily I had a bunch of friends that, you know, that I grew up with that, you know, kind of, we kind of steered away from all that, you know, all that nonsense. You know, like, man, it was, it was, you know, growing up as a child, you know, you know, being a sports player, you know, playing basketball, you know, it was mainly, you know, you know, sports with me. You know, everything was pretty much sports. You know, I had the crazy times sometimes, but, you know, we can't mention all that on the computer. <laughs> <laughs> I had those times for sure, man. Everybody had, everybody had those, bro. Everybody, Yeah, you know? everybody had those times. Who, <laughs> yeah. uh... Who influenced you to play basketball? Man, you know what? I was a football player at first. Uh, and, you know, you know, we, we growing up, man, we we played all. We played you know, football, basketball, softball, baseball. No yeah. matter what you put in front of us, we're going to play it. You know, right. so I had a bunch of guys who was, you know, I played football. Well, I was real football heavy. You know, everything was football in my family. You know, Kurt Warner, the reason why I chose number 13 is because of Kurt Warner. You know, one oh, of the really? reasons, you know, one of my favorite, you know, uh, my football favorite. players of all time. Yeah, me too. Yeah, was Kurt Warner. And we had a we had a couple guys that was, you know, that was on the football team who actually played basketball. And, you know, I was hitting a growth spurt. I was playing quarterback, you know, and I was one of the small – I was – even now, you know, I'm 33 years old. I'm still slim and fit, you know, kind of just a massive <laughs> – just imagine when I was in high school playing quarterback. <laughs> Could you imagine your being from Arkansas with 90 degrees humidity? Like, bro, that's crazy. Man, the kids these days have it so easy because they get water breaks, they get a certain amount yeah. of time. 
where they get to go outside and that wasn't, you know, most of you know, uh, that probably what really pushed me, you know, influenced me. I had a friend, you know, who was, uh, he played, he played running back at the time. He kind of kept pushing me. I, I had to get a growth spurt. I was mm -hmm. really too damn tall and skinny to play quarterback. Play quarterback anyway. so more, bro. Me to, yeah. Too much of a target. He was trying to push me to play basketball. So that's how I really got into basketball. After that, man, I, it just took off from there. I didn't notice until I, I happened to, you know, I look at the at the couple videos, but you had the cleft feet growing up. And yeah. it was almost similar, similar to me. Like I had I have my I was bow legged. Like I was extremely bow legged growing up. Like right, right, to the right. point they had to like they was like talking about they had to break my legs in order for me like to be able to like run and walk straight. So like how does somebody yeah. like you like go through that like, you know, you super athletic, like like you right. like one of the most athletic players, like, you know, that ever came out. So it was like, how do you, like, come from, like, having cleft feet and be able to – being able to not even walk to, you know, Bruh. having, like, this super athleticism now? Man, it was kind of hard, you know, at first because I had to wear those – you know, everybody watched Forrest Gump, those little stilts yeah. he had on there. I had to wear those till I was about – maybe about, I think, four or five years old. Mm -hmm. and, man, it was kind of – it was hard to me. You know, I only remember, you know, little glimpses of it, but – yeah. Um, the things I do remember is me, you know, crying at night, you know, especially, you uh, know, especially wearing those things. I had to wear those things to bed. And I had to wake yeah, up in the morning cool. with those things. I had to get out the bed with them things on. And so, man, that was kind of really the hardest part for me. And the reason why I have the ability now, because I'm one of those guys who was kind of limited with those, you know, with that ability, you know, I was kind of limited with those stills being on my legs. So automatically growing up, man, um, when I got those things off, I kind of um, had this motivation mentality in my mind, you know, where man, I have to be better than yeah. whoever else was, you know, <laughs> being the athletes, being the great athletes at the time. So I've always had, you know, I mean, I've always had a work that, you know, especially, you know, when it comes to um, basketball, I, when I really found out I really wanted to do it, you know, I always had that work that I always worked. You know, it took me a while to catch up to, you know, my feet was a lot longer than, you know, my body was arms. I was kind of like this lanky dude who was just all over the place. Arms just long, legs long, feet just long. Like everything was just, everything was just unorthodox, man. Everything was just, everything was bad on me. You know, I really couldn't use my limbs on my body. So um, it took me a while to get, you know, just, I had a great trainer, man. That um, You know, even in, in high school, we had a couple coaches that really, you know, really cared about us. So, you know, um, that, 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 you know, that training mentality I always had in my mind kind of pushed me, mm -hmm. you know, to be the athlete that I am today. Even now, you know, I'm in China, you know, doing the virus, you know, I'm still working out, I'm still going to still gym grinding. two times a day. So, um, I've always had that work there. So I think that was kind of, you know, separating me apart now being, you know, one of the, you know, most athletic guys to play the game. Talk about your path, man. After high school, you know, you took the, the junior college route and became one of the top players in the nation. Just talk about that. Right, right. High school. And yeah. Uh, so, man, being in high school, man, we was one of the best teams, you know, that ever played, you know, Arkansas basketball. We didn't lose to, you know, no no high school team in Arkansas that year. We ended up winning the state championship. And, you know, what really made me go Juco is because, you know, inner city kids, you know, not really want to take class serious, not really want to, you know, do the whole school thing. So I really didn't pay attention to school. So, um, being in high school, you know, I uh, missed my 11th grade year, my junior year of basketball because of grades. So I, mm -hmm. I only had to play, you know, football my 11th grade year. And so 12th grade year come around, we, you know, 
Um, we're planning on winning the state championship, and I kind of I just quit on the football team, you know, all kind of. So um, that really kind of pushed me to, you know, really take the basketball thing serious. And me going to junior college, um, that's when I really like excelled. You know, that's when mm-hmm. I really took it serious. I really, you know, got out of my shell, and you know, I become I became, you know, uh, first year, you know, preseason junior college player of the year. Um, we had ended up winning the national championship. Um, and all that, and I, that's what I kind of, you know, bloomed, kind of blossomed into the, you know, the Sunny Wings, uh, the potential that I knew I could have, you yeah. know, with me being in junior college and, you know, me kind of being on my own and um, kind of growing up, you know, learning things, um, just, you know, how to, I guess, you know, take things a lot more serious, you know, when you don't have your parents, when you have that comfort level of being home, you had a comfort level of being, you know, in your high school with your friends. So, yeah, man, um, junior college one of you know, one of the, you know, most exciting times of my year because it kind of really um, defined who Sonny Wings was, you know. Mm-hmm. What, what other offers have coming out of Duco? I know you uh, you decided to stay home, but what other offers? Uh, right. Man, I had, you, uh, I was one of the, you know, I was one of the top, you know, Juco players in the nation. So I had, you know, at the time we had Memphis, who was at Calipari, we had Kansas, we had Bill Seth, um, Baylor, we had Drew, we, Drew was there, you know, we I'm talking about in practice. We play yeah. over the gym. We had these guys sit courtside. I had these guys sit courtside. I'm talking about a junior college player. Practice, I'm talking about practice. So, all kind of, you know. They couldn't tell you nothing, bro. Man, we had Bruce Pearl, man. I was probably the only, I probably one of, the, one of the only guys who was probably, especially in junior college at the time, you know, mostly, you know, Big 12s and, you know, the guys who get junior college guys are SECs and, yeah, you know, guys yeah, yeah. like, you know, guys, but I had you know, Big 12 coaches, you know, all those coaches, Big East coaches, Pittsburgh, and all those guys that was at my, you know, um, that was at my practice. And one thing that, you know, separates, you know, me from parts, you know, most guys I've always, I've always brought, you know, I've always tried to bring my friends with me, you know, no yeah, matter yeah. what, no matter what I've always done, you know, I, had, I got That's a couple nice. guys. Um, that went to, I got a couple guys that went to uh, high school with me who was actually, you know, had a scholarship to my junior college. You know, just me, you know, helping guys out from my from my city, you know, with, with me doing that with all those coaches being there. Not only was the coaches looking at me, but it was also looking at my friends and, you know, giving them a look and um, giving them free evaluation that they wouldn't get nowhere else. So, yeah, um, like true. I said, man, that was, that, was, that was really exciting, you know, that, that I had a chance to do that. And me being from Arkansas, I went to go to school in Arkansas and, you know, graduate from Arkansas, man, that's probably one of the best things that ever happened. So that's why that's why you chose to go to Arkansas more or less, because like you said, that's you why I chose, man. It's the pride pride of the yeah. home state. I'm an Arkansas kid, man, until I die. You know, always. Junior yeah. college, all that, everything. You got to talk about uh, this, 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 the NCAA tournament game that I think, for me, that kind of puts you on the, on the map when you uh, when you guys beat Indiana. Um, and you you gave you gave Eric Gordon that work. <laughs> Listen, my mom, listen, we was playing that game, man. And uh, Eric Gordon, he was, you know, Indiana, they was the talk of the town. And, man, we was nervous as hell, man. You know, going in the second round. Well, going in the first round, we had to play Indiana. You know, them coming in, they had DJ White. They had, you know, yeah. Eric Gordon. They had the squad. Who else they had? They had another guy. They had a, they had a squad. We went in and we beat the brakes off of them. <laughs> that was kind of And my mom had, my mom was crazy. My mom came in the gym, you know, we was getting ready to go to the locker room or whatever. And she had, you know, my mom was taking a family interest. She had walked past the gym. And she was like, don't you lose to these mothers today. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, say no more. <laughs> say less, mom. Like, say no more. 
turned up on him. Turned up on him, man. We that, that, was, that was that was the best feeling. My mom and dad was sitting courtside. Everything, man, it was the best feeling. It was the best feeling ever. Now talk about the uh, the dunk contest as well. You played in the uh... oh yeah, man. The craziest thing about the dunk, man, I got some crazy stories about. <laughs> we was at the dunk contest, right? And and um, so we pricing everybody pricing they dunk or whatever. And me being from West Memphis, man, I forgot my shoes at the hotel the day of the dunk. <laughs> right. <laughs> So everybody warming up, everybody getting ready to dunk or whatever. So I'm just sitting over there with house shoes on, waiting on my mom to bring my shoes from the hotel, right? Like a yo They never seen me dunk. Right? They never seen me. Well, they, they saw me in college, you know, dunk. They knew I was a crazy dunker. They didn't know I was, yeah. you know, freestyling like that. So I'm sitting on the couch just sitting there like, you know, big asshole, waiting on my mom to bring my shoes, bring on my mom to bring my shoes or whatever. So we just sitting there. And uh, so she finally bring the shoes. I'm talking about what at the time I'm what maybe 21, 22, I think at the time. And she brought the shoes, lace them up, choom, 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 lace them up, choom, choom, first dunk, throw it up, boom, windmill. Some <laughs> boy we crazy. They knew it was over there. I'm talking about no warmer. That's when I was the young son of them, man. That was crazy, mm -hmm. man. That was, it was in San Antonio, Texas, and that's where I had left. Um, after the NCAA tournament, I had left San Antonio. So, you know, work out my agent was from there. So I was getting ready for the yeah. draft or whatever. It kind of, it worked out perfectly. You know, I was already at home in San Antonio and they had the dunk contest in San Antonio. So man, that was that was that was awesome, man. I tell people that story all the time, me forgetting my shoes. And <laughs> I didn't have no time. I didn't have no time to warm up, man. I just went up there and threw it up with me. Boom, it was over. First first dunk. Everybody knew first it. First dunk, everybody was, was a rap. First dunk. Ask <laughs> James Giz, he was there. Yeah, I got ass. Yeah, I got ass gifts. Yeah. <laughs> he was there. My boy was there. Now yeah. talk about now talk about like the the you know now you you leave Arkansas, um, you right, getting right. ready for the NBA draft. Like, what was what was your your toughest uh, draft workout? Do you remember? Man, yeah, I was had to at the time. You know, like I said, man, two days before I flew to Houston. You know, day before that, I had to fly to Sacramento. You know, and then I get to go. I had I get to Bay Area now. I have to work out for seven, eight different teams. But, um, you know, GMs and coaches being, you know, who they are, yeah. I think the guys gonna work out. Man, I had to go to this court and work out for thirty minutes. I had to go to this court and work out for thirty minutes. Keeping in mind, I'm just I'm flying out on play. I'm just coming from Houston. I'm coming from Sacramento. I come at eight o'clock in the morning. I have to work out for seven different teams for thirty minutes on different courts. So, man, that was kind of tiring for me, but. The whole experience was great because, you know, a guy coming from, you know, a town no more than 24,000 people, just being, you know, you have just the thought of your name being part of the draft, man, at that time, like, I was willing to do anything, you know, to, to, you know, to make true. it, you know, yeah, to make my dream come true. So, uh, man, I was willing to do anything that during that day. Where were you uh, projected to go uh, at the time and who had the most interest in you? Right. Miles projected to go first round, at least the 28th to the 30th pick, right? I think at the time, Boston had 28th. I had worked out for Boston and killed that workout. That was like one of the first workouts I did. New Orleans had the 29th pick. I murdered that workout. And the and Memphis, 30. They had the 30th pick. Man. You thought you, you, you trying to go to Memphis. <laughs> Listen, I'm in the workout. Listen, I'm in the workout. I call my mom, call my grandma. I'm like, yeah, 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 we finna do that. I'm finna go ahead and kill it. Man, we was, we, we did nothing. 
most of the time, you know, they knew my athleticism. You know, they knew yeah. how athletic I was. So they wanted to see, you know, at the time, could he shoot? You know, at the time, at the gym, you know, before they work out, I was in the gym at least three times a day, getting this jump shot ready. I'm talking about floater. <laughs> no matter what you do, this is Memphis. This is my, you know, this is my time to shine. I'm going to Memphis at home, playing in front of my family and everything. So the draft day come around, Boston comes 28 pick. I was like, okay. My agent still ain't calling, but, you know, I'm still out the mission. Like, yeah, they going to pick me. Pick someone else. 29th come. I said, New Orleans, yeah. I was in New Orleans. I remember that time. I killed that workout. So I know they about to pick Pick somebody else. 30 come around. I was like, ah, I got to have this one. Like, we, cool. like, we got it. Man, they picked someone else. Man, that kind of broke my heart. Like, that, that, <laughs> that killed me right there. You know, because I, you know, as I'm working out for the 30, as I'm working out, you know, I'm, I'm coming from Mark, so I'm an athletic guy. You know, I had a great season. So, I didn't work out for none of the teams that were supposed to be in the second round, so I had no idea what yeah. was going to happen. So as the draft come around, I'm I go in the back room. At this time, I'm panicking now. I go in the back room, my you know my dad and everything back there. I was like, man, dad, I don't know what's going to happen, man. I don't really, I haven't really worked out for these teams, so I don't really know what's happening. Thirty second pick coming, around. no, thirty ninth pick coming around. You know, Chicago Bulls. Thirty <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the whole at the time I had the auditorium, you know, you know, I had the whole hood up and I had everybody in there. Yeah. All everybody Memphis, always Memphis. My dad, my dad running up and down the breezeway, he's like, man, don't matter who you who pick you, no matter where you go. He <laughs> <laughs> you was know, saying that the whole night, the whole night, that's all I kept hearing. You know, I was pissed off. You know, I was good that I got drafted. I was picked off because I wanted to go first round. You know, we had eagles. Yeah, facts. So I wanted to get picked the first round, so man, but you know, but just just me having my family there and everybody else seeing, you know, that stuff from the, you know, for the first time. I think we haven't had a guy that had got drafted, you know, in the NBA since Keith Lee. I don't know if you knew Keith Lee and Michael yeah. Cage back yeah. in the day. So that was like twenty five, thirty years since we had um, a guy from our city, you know, to actually you know get drafted. So that was a real special moment for me. Like you got you got drafted. By Chicago, but ultimately got traded to to Denver, correct? Denver Thuggets. <laughs> nah, that was amazing times, man. That was amazing times. You know, that was probably the best rookie year I've ever had. Bro, you had, a, you had AI. When I first Hello. got there, bro, I had AI. Yeah, for half the season, right, or something like that. For half the season, and I was a rookie coming in, bro. Could you imagine that? That's yeah, crazy. Some of them stories. A rookie coming in, you know, AI called me two or three in the morning. Hey, Rook, what you doing? Come here, come there. I'm hopping out of bed, you know. <laughs> I'm so hopping I, out of bed going to see what's going on. It was that crazy, was it. A, yeah, AI was your I, AI was your uh, your vet. Who was your vet? AI, AI was my vet for the first few months, and then they had traded him for Chance. So we had Chance yeah. Phillips. We had uh, Carmelo. We had J.R. Smith. We had. Anthony Carter, we had Birdman, we had Kenya Martin, we had Lennox Clazer, we had uh, uh, who else? We had we, made, we had we had a stick. That year we made it to the Western Conference Final, but I kept getting hurt throughout the whole year. I couldn't even be participate in that one. But that was that was probably one of the greatest, you know, rookie seasons I've ever had. Being a part of that team, Western Conference Finals. I think Melo was averaging like thirty eight that that playoffs. Yeah. And Kobe, Kobe, I think Kobe at the time was averaging like thirty nine. So yeah. I got a chance to see like Kobe in his prime prime. Like, 
that was, you know, Melo and Kobe, you know, in the Western Conference Finals. Come on. Going man. back and forth. Kobe, yeah. Andrew, <laughs> Biden, Paul, <Gasol. laughs> Something like that. Man, I had court side to this. I'm talking about front row seats to this. So that was that, that was that was amazing, you know, for me too. You know, being a part of that and seeing like having bets like that, you know, yeah. that you can watch and follow and guys that uh six months ago you were sitting on your couch watching, you know, on NBA TV. But now you know you're in the same locker room with these guys. These guys wanted you to go watch their cars and I'm really <laughs> watching cars and watching Maybachs and Bentleys and Camaros and so man, nah, it was it was it was awesome though, man. So what, what was your most memorable story though? Like being with those guys off the court, like what what pops? Man, just the, man, we had we had we had on the court for sure was was great. But you know the we had a bunch of guys like man who was real down there. So you know the off the court, you know just being like the one thing the one thing that makes me miss the most about being you know especially with this you know this pandemic going on is like being in the locker room with guys. And, you know, right. going to practice and, you know, pulling up to the gyms. You know how it is, pulling yeah. up to the gyms and seeing your guys and like, man, what's up, man? How was your day? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. those are probably, man, those are, those are probably some of the best memories. You know, I have some good memories, but, you know, we can't, that's, 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 that's too rated off TV. But, you know, we got, <laughs> not nah, just, nah, just being around those, just being around those guys, man, just having it, having those guys as, you know, mentors and, you know, having those guys, you know, uh, some of the guys who do, have some of the best games ever and being able to watch those guys every day, watch them prepare for games and you know, watch them prepare and go out and win games, man. That was that was that was exciting for me. Well, we gotta talk about Toronto, man. Who can't love Toronto? He was on the team. What? Bosh, you had DeMar DeRozan, you had Mir Johnson. Man, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was that was that was some wonderful years. Yeah, that was some wonderful years. When I got to Toronto, I would say uh that was the year of Bosch. Was that was that was that was the year before he left? He went. To, that's where he went to Miami. You know they got those two rings, and that's the time I had. To, that's another. You know one of my favorite players also because I have to. I, that year, Bosch was like going crazy. Mm-hmm. He was averaging. I mean, we was losing, but he was having like thirty and like fifteen at yeah. the time. And you know we were some young guys. Like we had a young group of core guys that was really good. We had Jose Calderon. We had me, Demar Derozan. Um, you imagine those having those that those young guys on the wing like that? Yeah. We had Marty Rose. We had uh we had Antoine Wright. We had Marco Bellinelli. Uh, who else we had? We had Hito Turkoglu. Yeah. So we had. I mean, we had some. We had some guys. That was that was, that was pretty. You know, that was we, we was young. You know, Toronto was one of those cities where um, basketball, hockey, sports means everything to those. Yeah. You know, to, to those people over there. And, man, they really embraced like the athletes there, you know, uh, being a part of the city. And, and you know, you've known me for, for years. I'm one of those guys where, you know, you, you might see me in the city. You might see me walking in Walmart by myself or something. You by know? yourself, like, bro. I'm one of those guys. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's why, you know, that's why Toronto, you know, fell in love with me because I was one of those, you know, touchable guys you can actually yeah. reach out and you know, get to know and uh, may see walking down the street just, you know, minding his own business. And, and man, those years was, uh, they used to call us the young guns. I don't know. You yeah, know, yeah, I remember that. You, I remember that. I remember. You know, the Toronto young guns at the time, you know, a bunch of young guys running and gunning and, you know, shooting and jumping and, and being all kind of, you know, doing all kind of things. Uh, you know, uh, quote, I think we would, if we would have probably stayed together, you know, that, that would have been a, you know, a nice unit. But, you know, basketball guys always have different. You know different ways of doing things. Yeah, that's what the so you, yeah. that's what we was gonna talk about next. Like, cause I mean, you was you had your best year 
right before the for the lockout, like you was in the middle of the rotation. I mean, even though like you said, like you guys wasn't wasn't winning, but you was hooping, like you know, you was you was just trying to kind of find your way and find your 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 way yeah. in the league. So like when the lockout happened, what kind of what made you um decide to like you know want to go overseas and and, and want to play over there? Man, you know, at the time, me being a young guy and um, me being in Toronto, leaving a couple places, and, um, man, them checks go fast when you're having fun. You know, and, and, you know, that's what some of the things that's that, real. you know, I had to, to go to. I had, that's one of the things that I had to go through, you know, especially playing in the NBA is, man, you get you you get this thing where um, you get to the NBA, you kind of make these promises of, you know, right, I'm going to take care of the hood, I'm going to take care of everybody, I'm going to take, you know. So they don't know how fast, you know, that money can go. So, man, I'm running through, I'm in Denver, I'm running through a rookie, being a rookie, get to Toronto, you know, having having fun in Toronto. And, you know, that money kind of, you know, disappeared a little bit. And at that time, you know, the lockout was coming. Nobody knew, you know, what was going to happen, you know, how long it was going to last or, you know, what. So me being sunny, man, I, I'm, I'm going to get the check. You know, so <laughs> that's when I had left. You know, that's my first experience in Europe, man. And, and you know, that was that was when I left. Luckily, I went to a. You know, the city wasn't. You know, the city was. You know, pretty cool. But the basketball um, mindset, the basketball fans there in Lithuania. Um, when I first got there, when the lockout happened, you know, I signed with Zagreb um, my first year in Europe, and you know, that's how it came about, man. That you know, I we at a young age, we don't know how to save money, so. That lockout came, man. I had to get out of there. I had to go get I had to go get that shit. Bro. I had to, had to go, had to go, go get, get to it. Shit. Yeah, I had to go get that shit. You know, I had to go get it. <laughs> what did your family think, man? Your mom and everybody when you said I'm I'm going to Lithuania to play basketball. Like what was they doing? My mom's like, hell no. Like, hell no. Like you tripping, right? What is you going over there for? We ain't even we we never heard about it. Like Lithuania is Lithuania. Like you don't hear about it. Right. you know, Lithuania too much. And she was like, nah, bro, like, what is you going over there for? Like, she really didn't understand, you know, the lockout in the NBA and what was going on. But, you know, I was the, I was the first guy to sign um, in overseas. You know, a lot of guys didn't want to go overseas. A lot of guys, you know, want, you know, want to stay and figure it out or whatever. But I'm one of the first guys that, you know, that signed in Europe. And, you know, uh, I got it out the way. Like I said, my mom, she was not with it at all. She wasn't, you know, she came out there to visit me and everything. Like, she was ready to go, like, the first couple. Days and she was like, "Nah, I can't deal with this." <laughs> she was like, "I can't deal with this." So Go on. she stayed for a little bit and she got up out of there. You know, what was the biggest adjustment? Um, you know, now going from the NBA to now playing in Euro League and, and living in Europe. I would say, you know, just the comfort level of not um, being able to reach out to your friends and stuff, man. I would say, like, you know, being in the states, you can go to. You know, especially when I was in Toronto, you pull up anytime one of your favorite restaurants. I had this Jamaican spot that was crazy. Um, you know, I'm a real, I, I love Caribbean food. You know, my daughter's family's from Jamaica, so I'm kind of, I kind of got used to, you know, uh, eating that stuff. And um, just being, I guess, man, it's just, uh, just being, man, being over there in, you know, in Lithuania, you know, kind of just changed my eyes on everything, you know, just dealing with, you know, uh, the fans and, you know, having them, you know, um, being at the games and supporting it. So it was, it was different for me. What did, what did you know about Zalgaris before you signed? Like, did you know anything about that? Did, did you know anything, did you know anything about the EuroLeague in general before you, before you went over there? I had no idea. I had no idea, actually. Uh, one of the, one of the, one of the guys who's, who's from my city, man, legend, 
uh, West Memphis legend. He had, you know, one of the one of the best uh, Euro League scores in mm-hmm. Euro League. Uh, he has a Euro League championship. Marcus Brown actually played yeah. uh, for Zagreus, you know, for years before I got there. And um, I didn't know that until um, I actually got to Zagreus. They were, you know, you from West Memphis? I'm like, yeah, I'm from West Memphis. You know, we had Marcus Brown here, you know. <laughs> what a coincidence! Yeah, what a coincidence! We had the same guy that's, from the same, that's crazy. you know, played the same positions from the same yeah. city. Went to the same high school, who's kind of making a career, you know, in um in Zag. and that, and I think that was kind of that, that that really pushed me to even go even harder because you know I want to rep- represent you know the legend Marcus Brown in my city pretty well, so you know um, that was great. So once you left uh, Zagreus, I'm sure you had you know multiple options thinking about jumping back to the league or staying over there in Europe. You know, what right. ultimately led you to sign with with powerhouse Chester Moscow? Man. Everybody knows what made me sign with Chester. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, I think everybody at this point knows, man, why I went to Chester and why I went to Moscow at the time, you know. But, man, that was, like I said, everybody knows that, man. Yeah, man, that was probably the great three years of my career. That, that's when I really, you know, became, like, one of the, one of the, you know, the international American stars over there. And that, that really kind of set my career, you know, apart. Like, I mean, Kyle, no, man, we was one of, you know, we was one of the best teams in Europe, you know, three years running. So, man, that kind of set my career apart, man. I, I was, you know, I was so happy that um, I was able to be a part of, you know, a historic program like that, man. You know, uh, like I, I tell people this all the time, man, Cheska's one of the, you know, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me, you know, being, you know, uh, playing, being able to play. At the time, I had to take, you know, the footsteps of, you know, Andre Karolinko. So yeah. he, he had left that year going into the league, so they needed someone to, man, to come in and, you know, do what Andre Karolinko did. You know, um, I came in, man, I did my thing, you know. I established myself as Sonny Williams, you know, one of the powerhouses, you know. Kyle, you know, every time we walked in the gym, people were scared to play us. So, yeah, man, man, that was, man Nobody that was one of the – yeah, that was one of the man, we, we had Nando, Teo, Sasha Khan, you know, Nanette Christians. We had Cheska's always had, you know, great players. Even now, you know, they still keeping that tradition alive with Clyburn and um a couple other guys, you um man, you know, like I said, that's a great historical program. I'm I'm happy to be a part I was happy to be a part of that. You talk about the legendary players that you and teammates you got a chance to play with, but let's talk about the legendary coach. You know, you got a chance to play for one of the best coaches all through Europe and also, you know, he was assistant coach with the Spurs, uh, Messina. So how was that experience? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was great, man. He was he was a real X's and O's guys at the time, you know, where it really, you know, and that was the guy that kind of um I guess kind of grew groomed my game a little bit to, you know, I was moving really fast, you know, especially coming from the NBA and me, me coming from Toronto and me coming from Zagreb, you know, I was kind of full speed ahead every time. He's one of those guys who, who, who really, you know, brought me to the side and, you know, told me that I need to slow down, you know, that I need to, you know, think the game and um, having, you know, like vets, well, not vets at the time, you know, having guys on my team like, you know, Milos Teodosis who, you know, who can read the pick and roll and, and having a coach Messina to actually coach me you know, how yeah. to use and then watching Teo and, and, and Aaron Jackson and stuff on, you know, how to, you know, the pace of, you know, using pick and roll, the pace of the offensive defense, how to read defenses, you know. And, you know, having just that, that combination of guys, you know, kind of 
um, helped me develop into, you know, um, an all-around player, you know, that I'm pretty much am now. And, you know, Messina, you know, I tell people all the day, you know, he was kind of a, uh, you know, a, a, a godfather basketball figure to me because, you know, he taught me a lot of things. Just, just you know, just um, going out there and thinking the game instead of just playing, just going out right. there and just playing like you're at the park, you know. So yeah. he was one of those guys that really kind of instilled that, you know, into in me. I was the same with me because when I got there, I was coming from like, you know, lower divisions and I was coming from Olympiacos where I was just like, I was catching the balls, putting my head down. I was just going. I just didn't even going, matter. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and when I got he was there, he was, yeah, but like when I, when I got there though, it was like, he was like, well, if you do it this way, you know what I mean? You're a lot more effective. If you, if you stand here or if you go here right, right. or if you make this move, I'm just like, oh, I never even thought about it like never that. Knew. Like he, yeah, like he never broke knew. the game down almost like a science. You just like, yo, like, yeah. you know what? You, you, you 100% right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, Crazy, man, bro. Him being there, man, it, kind of, it, helped, yeah, it helped my game out a lot, man. Just, just me slowing my mind down, thinking the game, man. You know, I learned it from him. Because everywhere you've been, like you said, you you like kind of a person, like you like to be out. Like you like to be out like amongst the people. You out, about, out and about doing stuff. So talk about like, yeah. you know, just like you being in Moscow, like doing them three years. Like, you know, like you, when I was there, like I was like, you made me come out. Like I used to be like, man, I'm yeah. going to the crib, bro. I'm like, I'm going to the apartment. I'm like, it's too cold out here. I used to like yeah. drag me out like, yo, we going to this restaurant. We going here, we going here, we going. Like literally, bro, like talk, talk about like your, your life in Moscow because you did a lot. You were like paintballing. You like was doing like everything, a bunch I of stuff. Like talk it. about, like talk, talk about, about, talk about that. Man, uh, just being in Europe, I mean, even in Zagas, I was kind of scared of Moscow. When I first got there, like my first yeah. year I got there, like I didn't do, man, I didn't do anything like i didn't go outside first of all it was too damn cold like i mean you know that for sure like it was too cold for me to do anything and uh man i just got tired i got i guess i got just just got tired of you know being at home and you know going to the gym and playing basketball and doing that so i just i wanted to you know i'm west memphis kid you know i'm used to you know not seeing anything so i just wanted to get out man i was going on google finding different restaurants and you know finding things to do man it was amazing moscow's beautiful city and I'm all I'm one of those guys who's always um always into I would say uh building structures and and you know the infrastructure of uh a, a lot of different countries and Moscow is one of the um most beautiful countries in the world to me you know the landscape the you know the buildings um the gold trimming they have in the you know in the cathedrals and Man, it was just one of those things where, man, I just had to see, even though how cold it was. And I had, you know, I, my drive at the time, he was like one of those Russian hot boys. Like, he's one shout of those Shout out to Air Time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was one of those Russian hot boys, so he kind of really pushed me. He kind of really pushed me to kind of get out of my shell a little bit because we, we said, um, it was nice, man. I was used to get bored, and I just call him, like, man, let's just drive around the city. You know, at nighttime, Moscow was a beautiful city. Yeah. So man, we just used to drive around the city, and um, he was telling me about these places, and it was just all word of mouth, man. Just trying to find out what to do, and and that's why I used to come back to you guys, like, man. We gotta do this, like we yeah. gotta go here, we gotta do this. <laughs> I had to get you and Jack at the house, man. We gotta do this. Uh, used to be, cold. used to be so pissed off. People like, yo, bro, get off your phone, get off the game, come out, <laughs> <laughs> come out and see the city. <laughs> Man, yeah, I had to make y'all boys. Bro, he used to be like, he used to call me like, y'all downstairs, bro. Yo, come out. 
downstairs. Pour it up. Let's go. We just go to the little hookah lounge. Yeah. The you know the restaurants you, in my restaurants in Moscow. Like, fire. Man, bars and dance floors and stuff. So yeah. it was, you know, it, it was cracking out there. Yeah, man, it was it was fun, bro. I remember, I remember yeah, you man, and Dex, y'all, 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 you and Dex used to just go to just take walks. I remember I used to come out. <laughs> you and Dex just be in the middle of the park, <laughs> just like walking around. <laughs> man, we was bored, man. We just do playing basketball. We don't have nothing. To do. We know athletes overseas. We don't have nothing but time on our hands. Yeah. Like, like even now, man, I go to practice two times a day. I still have a limited amount of time, you know. So I had to get out and do something. Now, a lot of people always ask, they be like, you know, why did Sonny leave? You know, so I don't know if you necessarily want to get into, like, you know, all that. But, you know what I mean? Kind of no, talk about sure, that. Man. We, talk sure, about we, that, man. Because it was like, you know, like, it was, it was kind of like, it wasn't, you know, we, Messina left, but Tudis came. And, you know, we had that season where we didn't necessarily get to the Final Four. I mean, we got to the Final Four, but, we, you know, we lost right. and we was in Maccabi. And, you know, right. everybody was surprised that summer when, you, you know what I mean, you was gone. So, you know, just kind of speak on that a little bit. Um, you know, about like, you know, how that all came about. And then, I mean, then you kind of making the move to, to going to Phoenix. Man, you know, uh, man, at the time, um, like you said, man, we had been in three final fours. You know, um, that was back to back to back. And I mean, unfortunately, you know, we didn't win anything, which, you know, I still, you know, regret to this day that I wish I, you know, won Thanks. the real league title. But the reason why, you know, I left because, you know, as all kids growing up in the inner city community playing sports, man, we want to, our dream is the NBA, you yeah. know? And I felt like at the time, I felt like at the time that, man, I built enough, you know, up in my career. Um, I, I built myself a, a, a good enough name to actually test the waters again, you know? So that's what, that's what ultimately, you know, led to my decision of going, um, going back to the league and, you know, getting back there and, um, just like being one of those guys who, you know, grew up watching the NBA, just, man, just want to be there, you yeah. know? And um, that's that's ultimately left, led, led to my decision, man. Like, I wanted to get back to that, you know, to that dream that I always dreamed about every day. And, and you know, um, that's the one reason why I left Chester, man. Talk about your time, you know, back in the league. You know, you spent some time with Phoenix and then you came and right. Phoenix and Philly. Man, it was, it, it, it was great, man, being back, uh, being in the NBA, you know, uh, Having you know, just just having the um, the feeling of man, uh, mom, I left you some tickets at the game. You know, come to the game. You know what I mean? Just to yeah. you know, having your friends being able to come to the game, man. And uh, man, that was like I said, man, that was a great. That was one of the greatest feelings in the world, man. Me coming from um, Europe, you know, being one of the you know top athletes come from Europe and coming, you know, to see that at the time we had uh, we had young guys. You know, we had uh, my rookie year in Phoenix. We had Devin Booker. So, you know, so I had I actually got a chance to see him, you know, develop and, you know, become the player that he is, you know, now. But, you know, just like I said, man, being back in the league, man, is always a great feeling, you know. Um, a lot of things that, you know, worked that didn't work, you know, um, ultimately, you know, things that didn't happen. But um, I wouldn't trade, you know, my um, – the career that I've had and still having, you know, for anything in the world, you know, man. You know, we always – we always been those guys, man, who always – have no problem with taking the long road, you know, just yeah. make the end, and that's so much better, you know. Exactly. And exactly. man, that's why, you know, man, like I said, man, going back to the league, man, it, it was great just to get that feeling again, you know. It was definitely uh, a great experience uh, having you, you know, be back in our hometown, you know, when you was with the Sixers for a little Billy bit. Turn. <laughs> <laughs> we was turned, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, bro. Uh, 
man, it was a great time, man. We had a great time pulling up on your boys, man. At the time, we was in Philly, too. You know, we were sorry as hell anyway, so it wasn't like we were, you know, waking up every day getting ready to win games. And that was like, we had like um, eight, nine more games left, you know, on the roster. And I mean, on, on the schedule. And at the time, we was one game away from being the worst team with the worst record ever in the NBA. I think they got the record. You know, but on one thing I'm glad about, they cut me before that game. So that would not <laughs> be on my resume. <laughs> that would not be on my resume. <laughs> No way, they ain't gonna get me like that one, bro. I don't know. It was dope, yeah, man. Hang out with you, go to restaurants, and you know, we got a chance to take you to different clothing places that we got on the city, and then you know, bring you to Sickleville, you know, bring you, you know, use that round crib, not playing the game. Yeah, yeah. And you boys know everybody too, man. I didn't know you boys. You boys heavy in the city, man. You boys real heavy in the city. No, I was in great company with you boys. Yeah. yeah, man, that just, that just speaks for the relationship. Because, like I said, me and you was teammates, and then now when you get down, you touch down in Philly, and I was and like, boy, yo, make sure, I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like, yo, make sure my man good, bro. And then, <laughs> no, no, no. We had, listen, we had a great time. You hear me? <laughs> <laughs> we had an awesome time, man. Now, now, you being that year in the league, did that make you miss playing your league? Is that the reason why you decided to come back to Maccabi? Um, man, it did, man, because it didn't. Because at the time, you know, the, the NBA, especially when you're coming from uh, uh, Europe, anywhere, man, it's all about the politics, you know, pretty yeah. much. And at the time, man, we had so many guards on the scene. We had Eric Bledsoe. We had we had Archie Goodwin. We had Devin Booker. We had P.J. Tucker. We had, man, we had a bunch of guys. So it was like no room for, you know, especially a guy like me coming from Europe who wasn't really established. You know, I was yeah. established in Europe, but I really wasn't established in the league. So that's what, that's what, you know, uh, and then when I got to Philly, you know, I, things and you know, things didn't kind of work out. You know, at the time I had a different agent at the time, so things didn't really work out. So when I left Philly, man, I was kind of I had this attitude like, man, you know what, man, I'm gonna go back to Europe, you know, where I'm comfortable and yeah. you know what's going on. And so that's that's what really kind of pushed me back to Europe. You know, dealing with all that political stuff in the NBA. So you know, after that, I just went back to Europe. You know, uh, where I was most comfortable. And talk about, you know, talk about, like, you know, because the starter season, like, y'all was rocking at Maccabi. It was like, man, y'all was, y'all was, y'all was yeah. cooking, man. Y'all, y'all squad, like, you and Drew, you, you and, uh, you know, Victor Rudd. I mean, y'all was, y'all, y'all had, like, y'all had the talent, like, to, like, actually possibly, like, yeah. you know, like, like, build something. So, like, talk about, like, because, I mean, there's a lot of different stories and people always right, talking right, about right. everything, so, what happened, all the rumors and all that stuff. So, Kind of just talk about your time there at Maccabi and just kind of talk about, you know, how, like, how, what's the true story behind everything, how everything kind of ended. For sure, for sure. Man, well, you know what, man, first thing I want to say, man, the fans and, you know, Maccabi is, is awesome. You know, playing yeah. for that, you know, you see them in the Final Fours all the time. They have a sea full of yellows up there, you know. <laughs> and, um, man, playing for them guys was, was great. And, you know, the situation, you know, that, that, um, that happened is, you know, we could have been better than what we were, you know. Um, at that time, man, we had went through like, man, three different head coaches before December. Yeah. And you gonna imagine with a, you know, with, with that much talent and uh, with a group of guys like that, man, you need the right coach to, you know, to bring those, to bring those guys together, you know. And um, that's one thing that we was lacking. You know, we had yeah. all the talent in the world. You know, we had all the talent, but you know, we had no one to coach us. 
you know, like no one. You know, it was times that, you know, I, I've always been one of those guys, you know me, I've always been one of the guys, I respect everything around me. I respect coaches, I respect teammates and everybody. You know, but, you know, when, when I feel like something is not going as we're supposed to, I'm going to say something. So um, sometimes, you know, we would have, I mean, we some sometimes we would have practices where, you know, we never went over defense or we went the first, the first, uh, first two months of the season, we didn't go over defense for two months, two months. And this didn't come out of my mouth. This came out yeah. of, you know, the, the coach at the time actually said that in the paper. You know, yeah. like we didn't go over. You know, we didn't go over defenses for two months, and, and you know, I'm thinking I'm, I'm one of those players who had just came from Etorio Messina, and yeah. you know, guys like that who have coaches. So I'm used to being coached. I'm used to being X and O's. I'm used to strategizing and all that. And at the Maccabi, we didn't have any of that. You know, we had a bunch of group of guys that even in practice time, all we did was go and play five on five. We had no, we had no strategy apart. We had no game plan of going in. We didn't, we didn't have, okay, send this guy right, send this guy left. And I think that kind of created a conflict between me and, you know, some of the guys, some, some of the, some of the guys in front office. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of got real crazy. It was a bunch of, you know, chatter back and forth, a bunch of, you know, behind the back talk that, you know, I really don't want to get into, but it was a bunch of off the scene things that, yeah. you know, it was out of my control. And me at the time, you know, being Sonny Wings and me had a name and me coming into Maccabi, I was kind of used as the scapegoat kind of. Yeah. And um, um, some things had came out, you know, I was suspended from FIBA for three years or whatever and all this and um, came out with rumors. I'm suspended. And if I was suspended, then I wouldn't be able to play in FIBA right now. I wouldn't be, exactly. the CBA. I wouldn't <laughs> exactly. be able to go back to, you know, to, to uh, Istanbul, the efforts to play for them. But like I said, man, it was a bunch of miscommunication on, on everybody's side. And um, like I said, man, I don't regret the situation. I wish that I, that, that team could have stayed. I tell people all the time, as one of the most talented um, teams on paper, you know, that I've been a part of. And, um, man, like I tell everybody all the time, man, uh, if I could bring back that team and, you know, if we had a, a coach the way you guys have now, you know, man, we mm -hmm. could have did some amazing things. But, like I said, man, it was a bunch of chit-chat, uh, a bunch of back and forth behind the scenes that um, that really wasn't involved in me. So so after you left Maccabi, you, you know, started your career over there in China, man. So let's talk about that process, you know, making a name for yourself in China and, you know, being – Get right. to man, I always, always kind of found found myself on you know like winning teams, I guess, especially being abroad. And uh, my first year in China was you know uh, it was awesome. Uh, my team, you know, that year, the year before I got there, I won like nine games. And the year I got there, we won maybe twenty two. So we actually was one game out of the playoffs. And um, after that year, I wasn't really planning on uh, staying in China um, at the time. Um, I was planning, I was actually planning on going back to Europe. Um, but then at the time, a lot of guys was, you know, they really wasn't really feeling Europe. It was like, man, maybe I should come to China. You know, seasons, you know, the, there's less games. You don't have to be yeah. there a lot longer. You know, the, the pay is, you know, obviously significantly better, you know. Um, and at the time, I was, like I said, I was planning on coming back to Europe, but um, the team that I'm on now, Guangdong, you know, which we have, Yichin Lee, who's one of the, you know, uh, the best basketball player play in CBA history ever. And yeah. I had an opportunity um, to be a part of this team um, and to actually, you know, win a championship. And that's one of, one of the main reasons why I actually stayed in China 
um, is because um, not only did um, the money was good, like I wasn't, really wasn't just coming over here for the money. You know, I actually wanted to win. And being on this team actually gave me the better chance of winning um, than any other team I had in China. So, you know, obviously the pay definitely was great. Um, being in um, South China, uh, we have subtropical weather, you know, year round. I'm talking about 75 degree weather year round. We have <laughs> we have Shenzhen, which is um, the Silicon Valley of China. You know, we have mm -hmm. Macau, which is two hours away. We have Hong Kong, which is two hours away. So this was like a no brainer. If I would, mm -hmm. well, if I would go anywhere else in China, I wouldn't. There's no other place I would choose before I choose this place. Yeah. And you know, real, real one reason why I stayed in China, which I'm pretty much going to finish my, you know, career over here is man. I have a chance to, if the season wouldn't, wouldn't if the season wasn't over this year because of the pandemic, um, I'll be working on my back-to-back -back championship this year. I'll be winning. The, I'll be getting ready to win a championship again next year. Um, so, man, there was. A, I've always, man, it was. It was just a. It was a great business move for me. You know, not only career-wise, but you know everything else. You know, it was um, being over here. You know, China has three hundred million basketball fans. So, and, and America only has three hundred million people in the whole country. So you don't imagine. You don't imagine being on the team. Uh, with a guy who's one of the most popular guys in the CBA history, who ever played a game, has over 11, 12 million followers, you know, on Weibo, um, you get a different set of eyes on this team. You know, you can actually build, you can actually build a career, you can build your legacy, you know, being on a team like this, where different eyes are watching this team, different people that, you know, that you come in contact with this team, not only winning the championship, but you're also making, you know, business connections outside of the court that, can stick with you for a long time. So uh, being over here was a, was a great decision for me and, uh, you know, on and off the court. What is uh, your daily life like? Like, what does Sonny Weems do day to day over there in China? During the season, it's, it, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, it's pretty much routine every day. Wake up morning, breakfast, practice, um, film, uh, lifting weights, conditioning, go home, eat dinner, and then wake up, do the thing all over again, you know. Athletes once a season, and we don't really have too much of a uh, um, um, free time to feel like you want to do anything. But now that it, that not, now that the season has been postponed a couple times, um, I'm just trying. I'm really getting into you know my photography. You know, I've been doing this, uh, starting my own media company, Sunny Days Media and Production. So um, I'm starting to think a little bit more, especially with everything that's going on in this pandemic. I'm starting to think a little bit more now. Um, um, what I'm going to be doing, you know, once I retire three or four or five years from now. And so that's basically my routine and just brainstorming and, and brainstorming with me and my team is just trying to find, you know, different avenues we can, you know, connect with uh, to push, you know, um, these business ventures. Talk a little bit about, cause you've been, you've been in the league, you've been in Euro league, you've been in CB now at the CBA. Talk this about, you know, what are the main differences you kind of see um, between each league? You know, a lot of people, you know, they, they right. especially over here, we don't get a chance to hear about, you know, the Chinese basketball league. All we do is, you know, we hear, you know, guys putting up big numbers and then people talk right, about right. like it's a, it's right. kind of, you know, it's an right. easy league. But now you've been, you've been in the thick of it for the past, you know, two years. So kind of right, right. explain to the people a lot, you know, what the CBA is all about. Right. So, right. So everybody knows the NBA is the NBA. Yeah. You know, one of the best leagues, the best athletes in the world. Then you have. Right after that, you have Euroleague, which is definitely a close second. You know, a bunch of guys um, definitely from Euroleague definitely can go to the NBA and, you know, definitely make a career of themselves. And then you have, which my opinion is, 
you have the CBA, which is the third best, you know, um, you get some of the best players that come from Europe and play. You get some of the players who, you know, can play in the NBA and come over here. And, you know, I think I would say the difference is, um, I would say, of course, you know, Europe and, 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 and the NBA, the players, I would say, a lot more athletic, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think players are here, I think players in the CBA could use a little bit more, I would say, uh, that kind of, that hood flair to them. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, a lot of guys mm-hmm. here don't really, a lot of guys here don't really, like, I had to teach a couple of my teammates, and it sounds crazy, I had to teach a couple of my teammates, young boys, like, how to dunk the basketball. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a, like, I didn't realize it was a really big thing. You know, I don't, yeah. and, and, and these guys from a young age, um, they always, so they have this thing where from a young age, they kind of tell you what you should do. And yeah. in the family, like, they're going to tell you, okay, okay, I have two sons and a daughter. Okay, he's going to play basketball. He's going to play piano. She's going to be a teacher. You know, so a lot of guys, a lot of players over here, they're not really, they don't, they don't love the game like we do. So yeah. when we grow up, you can't get us away from a basketball court. Right. Like you can't. Like we're hooping somewhere. We're going hood to hoods. Like we're hooping. We we kicking your ass in your hood. We kicking your ass in this hood. So we kind of <laughs> we, that's how we fall in love with the game. And you know the guys over here, you know they they kind of forced to you know play basketball or kind of forced to play sports. And a lot of guys don't really love the game like we you know we do. And uh, mm-hmm. the phys, uh, the physicality is is there for sure. Uh, these guys are strong. They always in the weight room. So. The physicality there, but you know, as far as being mobile or agile, and you know, uh, they have some catching up to do. You know, I think with my team, one thing that that that, that, that since I've been here, you know, I've kind of changed, you know, the coach a little bit. We play a lot more one on one, so guys get you get used to, you know, playing against you know guys and learning how to do moves off instincts instead of yeah. you know just going out there playing like the guy robotic. Can you have a counter? You know, yeah. to this. And, you know, like I said, kind of changed the culture here. And now in China, you know, especially dealing with our team, um, I think maybe I averaged 21 points. Marshawn maybe averaged 25. Mm-hmm. Um, he averages maybe 21. We have another guy who averaged around 18, 17. So we kind of brought that European feel where uh, everyone is pretty Everybody. equal yeah. across the board. And I think now going forward, when they follow our team, I don't think you would get many of those guys coming over here who just – scoring 40, 50, 60, and still yeah. losing games. Like, yeah. you know, I averaged 21 points um, last year. I led the, I led the CBA in, in, um, in plus minus, and we was 42 and four. Yeah. And without me scoring 25, 26 points a game, you know, and I think that's that's kind of, you know, the going forward, I think that was the CBA we'll be going towards then. Speak, speak a little bit more on the, that 42 and four season. I know you talked about the championship a little bit, but – Talk about the grind of that season and finally bringing home that first championship. You know, it was it was kind of a because um, I came in here late, you know, so uh, they was already practicing or whatever, and um, I came like a month or two, month yeah, a month or two after they started practicing and, and just just coming in there and uh, I kind of brought that, you know, because I've always been about winning, you know, and I always I kind of brought that, you know, the first day first day I got here, I was like, man, championship on three, you know, I, they let me yeah. do it. I don't know why they, you know, so. <laughs> You know, only my mentality was coming in since day one. So I always, man, I always one of those one of those guys that 
that, like I said, man, I always worked hard. And, 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 you know, my teammates saw it. And, you know, a lot of guys, you know, you know, saw the work that it. So it kind of, we kind of built this, you know, this structure or whatever, this team bonding of, you know, everybody, you know, especially after practice, everybody, you know, two on two, get your part and work out together. So we kind of created this team chemistry. Like with basketball, you know, a lot of guys on my team, really didn't speak English at the time. So, and, but with basketball, like, you don't really need, that's kind of like a universal unspoken, like, yeah. you know. So it's kind of, you know, that that kind of brings, you know, the guys together. So when I got here, you know, I kind of, especially with us being in chess, you know, we had that family and I kind of brought this same thing here, you know, being on that grind, being here with these guys and, you know, even in the cafeterias, you know, I eat with the guys in the cafeterias, like just bringing that kind of family, you know, atmosphere to let them guys know that, man, I'm not only here just, you know, collecting checks and score 40 points. I'm actually here to, you know, see you okay. guys, you know, get better and win. And so, um, man, that grind was lovely because we have a bunch of young guys on our team. And you and over the years, I'm kind of seeing them develop, the little Chinese boys, I'm trying to see them develop into, like, pretty good Chinese players. And, man, I love it. Let's talk about, uh, you know, your favorite places in China and uh, also the culture. So, man, my, one of my favorite places right now is um, – this city, I mean, Hong Kong for sure. Whenever mm-hmm. I get a chance, whenever I get a chance, because, you know, it's just Hong Kong still is a, a British territory. So, you know, you still have that European feel. You have a lot of English speaking. A lot of stuff is in English over there. And then when you get to, you know, the mainland China, where, you know, the attitudes are a lot different. People are a lot more conservative over here. You know, people are a lot more shy and laid back and not as, you know, flashy and flamboyant as, you know, as you would get any other place. Um, but you know, one thing I've liked about, I always liked about China is uh, their their ability to be like really innovative. Um, okay. Everyone knows China's technology is, you know, bar none. Like, you no, know, it doesn't really get you know uh, any better than that. And um, they are really focused on you know being a part of globalization and being a part of where a modernization and everything. So everything is pretty modernized. Everything, the restaurants, the you know, the infrastructure and, like, the, the building structures are, you know, pretty forward-thinking, you know, and that's one thing I've always liked about, you know, the Chinese, you know, you can find, like I said, China, China makes 90% of the world goods, so yeah. you can find, you can find anything from over here, from, from USB cords to trash cans <laughs> to slippers, all kind of stuff, so that's one thing I like about in, being in China is whatever Whatever I can get in America, I can definitely find it over here with a quick second like that. Uh, Stephon Marbury just put out that uh, you know, that the, the kid from Coney Island. So, you know, everybody from here is, like, really getting, like, a direct glimpse about, you know, his fame and his stardom, you know, over in right. China. But talk about talk about your fans because I see your Instagram videos. I see, like, how you walking out on the court and you got yeah, you know, buses yeah. flooded and everywhere you go. Talk about, like, <clears throat> your team and, like, how, like, you you know you kind of reach like a celebrity status and your team as like right, you, right. you spoke a little bit about it um, before, but like talk about the fans and how like you said you kind of your team and, and you have kind of reached like a celebrity status up in in China. I mean, with with, with this team, man, we we kind of like this, in the CBA, we're kind of like the Lakers and and, and the Boston Celtics. So with me saying that, you automatically understand you know the kind of love we get, and this is mm-hmm. a really professional and like prestigious club, and, and like and we have what. Four of the Chinese national team, you know, players on our team. Uh, we have the most popular um, Chinese player right now in Chinese basketball. And you can only imagine the, the kind of fans that, you know, come to our games. It's like real, it's like the European, like the Olympiacos, that, yeah. you know, that kind of, 
that kind of love right there. Um, and, you know, like I said, everywhere we go, we have to get a SWAT team, um, drive us to the games and to and from the games. And it's just the fans are crazy. Like Chinese fans, I mean, they, they really they really worship their guys here. You know, and uh, with me being me and coming in with that flair that I do, running up and down, dunking all over the place, jumping everywhere, and, you know, uh, really embracing the Chinese culture, man, I, uh, they kind of embraced me also. Um, like you said, I, mean, I became this, you know, this Chinese American international, you know, superstar over here. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've kind of embraced that, you know, with the help of, you know, my teammates being as popular as they are, you know, but also, you know, with the, uh, with the flash and, the, you know, the, the, the game that I bring, the different uh, attributes that I bring to the game. So, um, man, this, this team is, you know, by far one of the you know, pop, most popular teams over here. And, you know, I, Lovely being a part of just going to the game, seeing the fans there. Are you on, uh, what's it called? Weibo? You on there? You yeah, I'm on, I'm on all that. I'm, yeah, you I'm on there. Listen, <laughs> listen, man, you might wear, you call me China Sunday, man. I got Weibo. <laughs> they, got, they got this thing called DD, which is like a Uber service. Like, yeah. I get stuff delivered to my, I use QR codes, bro. Listen, I eat Chinese food every day. Listen, I'm, I'm I, I, I'm taking, I started taking lessons last week, on, you know, Chinese lessons, so I'm taking that once a week. So, uh -huh. man, start calling, start calling me China Sunny, man. I'm over China Sunny, man. That's the nickname, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here, bro. All right, so as a kid, man, being from West Memphis, Arkansas, did you yeah. ever see yourself having this type of career, you know, spending time in the NBA, spending time in Europe, making a name for yourself in China? Like what? What do you think of when you when you sit back and reflect on on everything? Man, I think you know us being man, um, inner city kids, black kids coming from, um, you know, we you know growing up, man, we always have this this ego like we gonna be something. Like we don't know what it is, we don't know when it's gonna come, but man, we gonna be something. And you know, I knew I was always gonna be something. Um, I thought I was always gonna play, you know, in the league and be this you know, this NBA superstar, but man, I'm an international superstar. You know what I'm saying? Like I've played in different countries. I played on different teams and I've won. And, you know, I've established myself as, you know, you know, being, being that guy overseas. And um, man, just, 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 just having that name is you know, just, just a kid from West Memphis, Arkansas, growing up in a town, no more than 24,000 people. You know, I kind of knew I was going to be something, but I didn't think it was going to get to this, you know, to this point where, you know, I'm winning championships, starting media companies. I have friends who, you know, started, you know, starting businesses like you guys. And, and you know, uh, I didn't think it was going to get this far. Like I said, I knew I was always going to be something special, but I didn't think it was going to be um, this this laid out for me. And, man, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I think uh, one of the things that uh, I can speak for Kyle and also speak for Mike, uh, we admire about you is how you get back to your community, man. You know, you got the wings read. You got the Wings weekend. You got the cans. Yeah. Um, you know, you build a great staff of uh, you know uh, a great group of people doing you know your charity work. You, you know, you give back stuff to the kids. So let's talk about like why that's important. You know, for you to give back and to you know be the, the selfless person that you are. Like I said, man, being in, being in a town full of twenty four thousand people, and, and like I'm one of the guys who. Um, who actually got drafted and who actually, you know, became a uh, professional athlete in like 30, 40 years before anybody else did it. And even when I was coming up, man, we didn't have guys. We didn't have guys coming in 
well, man, you need to you need to do this to get better. You need to shoot extra, or you need you know yeah. you need to do this. You need to work on your game. You need to go outside. You need to run. You need to stay in shape. And and we didn't have them type of guys. So most of that stuff I had to learn on my own. We dealing or we had parents where man, they was working all day. Man, they uh, the best that you can they can do for you is come to your game. You know. Yeah. So man, growing up. Just me thinking, man, we never had we never had guys that did that. You know, the guys who's actually been there, been successful. And we had a bunch of guys who were successful. Never came back and just told, just 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 show the kids what to do to be successful. Or just to get out the hood, man. Like you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to fight, you don't have to sell drugs, you don't have to do none of that stuff, man. You it's a it's a lot of things. And you know, a lot of a lot of athletes think just because, you know, you play basketball, a lot of other kids will follow you. Just because you believe, but no, there's a lot of kids that go to my camp, hate basketball. You know, their parents yeah. want them there. You know, their parents want them there, or just to get rid of them. It's a lot of talented guys, especially from our community, especially from the black community. It's a lot of talented kids, man. All they need is a push. All they need is someone to, man, to 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 believe in them. To have, you know, exactly. a lot of kids grow up, dads in jails, moms not there, and a lot of kids don't have the support that a lot of us have. And you know that's what Wings World is all about—just bringing that support to our community. Because everyone that's a part of Wings World is from West Memphis. Everyone mm -hmm. that's you know, so we understand what these kids go through. We understand the the lives they live. We understand well. We can give you a better better way of how to go, how to go about situations, how to you know achieve your goals. And that's what Wings World is all about, man. Just being there to support the kids and. Um, just being informed, man. If they need somebody to talk to, like we have a hotline where, you know, the kids can call in anytime they want to and, and just talk to us. That's what mm -hmm. Wing World is all about, man. Just showing kids that it's guys out there that look like you, it's women out there that look like you that actually care, you know. So yeah. that's what Wings World is all about. One of the things that um, I also admire about you, and we talk about that all the time, is like you, you always put your friends on, put people from your community on. So let's yeah. talk about people, you know, you got you, you got Dex, you got, you know, you you build like a solid team of people, your brother, your, your mom, your pops, so they all yeah. like, you know, part of your organization. So, you know, what advice would you give to, you know, number one, talk about why that was important to you. And then what advice would you give to like, you know, younger kids, um, younger players about, you know, making sure that they had the right team around them, the right group of people around them, you know, to help them be successful. Right. Well, it doesn't, like I said, man, it doesn't come overnight. You know, like I said, man, some kids don't have mom and some kids don't have dad. It's all, it's all really about, you know, trust um, with this thing. And um, the reason why it, it, it's so important to, to me because um, you, can, you, can, you can tell a kid, you can tell a kid what to do and you should do this and you should do that. And the team that you have can tell them, but... They don't see it in person. They don't see you in person doing it. Yeah. And, you know, that's why, that's what was really important for me, you know, to, to you know, to have my mom, have my brothers and sisters, because I can't go to these, I can't go to these camps and I can't go to these schools and, and you know, tell these kids where, uh, where you need to, where my mom listen, you listen to that, you need to listen to this. If they not around, if you don't have guys around that can trust you, you, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's one thing that I've, I've always instilled with, you know, with, um, well, my mom always and my dad always instilled in me, man, family's more important than anything. You know, at the end of the day, when everything is all said and gone, everything is gone, all your money's gone, everything else, um, your family's always going to be there. And I've always tried to bring 
that family atmosphere, you know, to whatever I do, because those are the people most that will, you know, have your back through thick and thin. You know, sometimes it, it always don't happen that way, but, you know, I'm trying to, trying to push that family values on kids. Like those, like Bill Cosby's show, man. Bill Cosby's, you know, even though the things that he's going, that he's going through yeah. now, he's in the black community, he taught us, you know, what it looks, what a, what a black family looks like. You know, right. and you know that's what I've always tried to you know bring, you know, to my events and everything. Just um, see see kids and you know see um, a, a family unit actually working together, and you know wants to see everyone else succeed. Now you speak about family, but we we you know we can't get off of here without you know mentioning your daughter. You know, it's been sure. it's been it's been great. Like you know, I remember back then like seeing her, you know, seeing her grow up and you know seeing her yeah. used to run around the apartment and stuff. So like now like. You know, as she's getting older, like how, like how does she feel about all this? Like you know, seeing her dad, you know, you know, on TV playing or getting opportunity to travel to like you know China and traveling all the world. Like you know, what, what, how does she like? You know, what does that experience you know mean to her? She loves, man. She loves it. The 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 one thing that makes me like super duper happy is she go back to school and. Yeah, my dad, yeah, my dad, he took me to China. Like, he took me to Istanbul. Like, he took me to Tel Aviv. And, like, she does projects where she has pictures of these places. So, like, she did a project on Istanbul one time. Yeah. And she actually have pictures of her, you know, being at the mosque and her being in Istanbul. So, that's the that that that's the one thing that I've really, I'm, I'm, I, it gets me every time because, man, we've always, you know, I've always wanted, I've always wanted, you know, a, a, a son or a daughter um, that I can do that. You know, I can have come to the games. I can have travel around. And, and she hates it right now because, man, she locked down like everybody else. You know, <laughs> before she before she was locked down, she was like, Daddy, I'm ready for you to play basketball. Like, when the season start? Like, I'm tired, you know what I mean? So now the season has started. She's like, when are you coming home? Like, she can't really make, yeah, she can't really make up her mind on, on, on what she wants me to do, but that's the that's the beautiful thing about it because you know it's like they want you around so much and you know just having her around just talking to her every day and like seeing her grow you know and 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 her being like being allowed to go to these different countries and uh different stamps on her passport you know my my daughter been to what 16 countries already wow. and she's only six years old you know so man she's you know what i mean so that's that's my whole thing about being a father man even when i'm done playing man I'm gonna use, especially all these cities I've been to, all these cities I've collected information about, I'm definitely gonna use that time when I'm done, man, to, to, to take my daughter even more places and let her experience this thing. And Because the biggest knowledge you can give a kid um, is traveling. That's that's the yeah. biggest education you can get a kid. You, you, it's only so much a teacher can teach you about, what can a teacher teach you about in Turkey if she's never been there? She only see what she read, you know, yeah. but if you, she's actually been there physically, she actually tell you, and my daughter thinks she's the the the, the teacher, the teacher of the month. Because when she go home, she tell everybody. She's at the top of the class. She got a little uh, a poster, or whatever. She's telling all the kids, like, "Yeah, my daddy took me here. Like, what's up? What y'all got?" <laughs> but no, nah, it's great, man. Seeing her like that, though. What advice would, would you give to you know the younger kids in the community that's looking to not become a basketball player, but you know become right. professional in, in life? What advice would nice. you up? Step out your damn comfort zone. I think that's what most most people, especially from small towns like us, we're so used to, you know, being in small knit communities, being around family and friends, and 
we're so scared to branch out and just take that next step. I, was, you know, I tell kids all the time, man, take that leap, man. No matter what it is, man, take that leap. Experiment, man. Jump out there. If you fail, man, it's okay. There's six other people standing beside you that failed, obviously, too. And, man, just I just tell kids all the time, man, be excited. Just take that leap, man. Don't hesitate. If you feel, if your heart is in it, go and do it. Now, before we before we wrap, um, just talk about, like, you know I mean? We we were teammates. We talk all, all the time about your entrepreneur stuff. And, you know I mean? You was in real estate, you know, back then. You was, you know I mean? You had different businesses. And now you're talking about your, uh, you know, Sunny Days media company. Right. So the last question, you know I mean? Just kind of explain to everybody about, you know, the, the outside ventures you got going on in, in Sunny Days media. Well, right, yeah, like you said, man, right now I'm working on Sunday Days Media and uh, Sunday Days Media and Productions. And what it basically is, man, it's just us um, giving athletes like us a voice. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I've been so used to. Um, even with me dealing with the Maccabi situation, I never had a really, I had never had a chance to really tell my story yeah. or my side of, of, of thing that, that really happened. And that's what really kind of prompted me to start this media company. It's just a lot of, man, European guys, a lot of guys overseas, Europe or China, no matter where you are, a lot of guys go through a lot of shit that a lot of people don't know, you know? Yeah. And most of the time that you read, most of the time if you read it on the internet, man, it's all about guys. It's all about, it's, it's only things that somebody else has said about that person. That's the main thing in Sunday Days Media. Like I said, it's a player-led platform. So, you're gonna hear players, uh, the voice, the, the the voices from the players, and uh, the players' opinions, and you know how the players feel, and you know that's the one re main reason for me starting. All right, bro, I'm gonna let you get out of here, man. I know it's just late there. We got, we got oh, all, look, man. bro, I ain't got nothing. <laughs> we ain't got, no games. <laughs> we ain't got nothing. I'm up, man. Bro. You just you just use all ice out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> now, nah, man, I'm. I suppose they told me I can leave whenever I get ready. Um, okay. but right now I'm not really trying to get home, but man, appreciate you, bro, um, nah. for for having me on here, man. Like I said, man, this is awesome, man. That you 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 interviewing these players and you get letting these players tell them their side, man. It's it's great what you're doing, man. Like I said, man, I've always had respect for you. You know, you know, one of the favorite players. Um, as a friend, also one of the favorite players mm -hmm. that I've ever played with. You've always been professional. You know, you always been straightforward, man. Man, I appreciate you. Um, for doing this and having me on here, man. I appreciate all y'all. Especially when I came to Philly, you guys took care of me, man. So, man, I've always, I always got love. My, my love for you guys will always be, you know, at the top. So, man, I appreciate you guys for sure. Love. Same, bro. Same, bro. Same, bro. bro. Same, you already know. Real quick, before that's another question, man. We got, we got one more question. What's up? Um, what's good? Yeah, so, you know, uh, you know, China may get canceled. You know, EuroLeague may get canceled. But they're saying TBT may be on. No, Kyle said. Kyle said, bro." the past, the past two years, man. The past two years, man. People been trying to get me to play them, but if there's no basketball, man, y'all might see me on y'all roster. Uh -huh. That's, 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 that's all we can ask for right now. That's all we can ask for. Either, either way, we uh we definitely going to pull up to – uh hopefully, if I'm, I don't know what's going to happen, but we definitely going to pull up to – I was supposed to try to come last summer. We definitely going to pull up pull up to uh, Weems Week. Now, for man, sure. I would love definitely. to have y'all. Yeah, I would man. love to have y'all, man. Definitely got to sure. come out there and support my brother, bro. So, for, for, sure, for sure. I can't wait, man. I'm excited about that. Now that you mentioned it, for sure, man. I would yeah, love to have y'all down there.
I'm an ATL bro, so that's right up the street. That's what about five. Yeah, bring everything. Your camera crew, camera equipment, everything, man. It's gonna be a great time, man. We're gonna have a great time. We're gonna have a great time. All right, my guy. Appreciate you. Man, appreciate you, man. Y'all need y'all take care over there, man. Kyle, your mask on the way too, bro. I pre I appreciate you looking out, bro. Appreciate that, man. Definitely the wife, the wife said a little, uh, she said a little too. Yeah, tell I said what's up. Tell the whole everybody, the whole family. All right, bro. All right, my dude. All right, G. All right. All right.